0: This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website www.reachingthefinishline.com, and pick up my free report. Save up to seventy five percent what they don't want you to know. Reaching the finish and welcome. Today I am delighted to have Jesse Krieger. Jesse is the international bestselling author of Lifestyle Entrepreneur and also the publisher of Lifestyle Entrepreneur's Press. I have Jesse on because uh, in a way our our lifestyles kind of mirror each other in where, I mean, even though he's at a different stage Uh, And his uh, life as an entrepreneur is definitely a stage that I eventually want to arrive to because I desire to be a publisher, which is something that he already is right now. And uh, I've been following him for a while and he's been traveling all over the world and uh, had a best-selling book in Asia and had a best-selling book uh, here in the US. So definitely a great example of a lifestyle entrepreneur and I'm happy to share him with you. Jesse, welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Calen. I'm Great. excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So, for people who don't know uh, what Jesse Krieger is, besides the fact I explained that you're an author, now you're a publisher, how did Jesse uh, found success as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, for me, you know, the, <laughs> it's always a question of how to tell the story, right? <clears throat> you know, when I was really young, 13, 14. Uh, all I really cared about was music. I played electric guitar and had bands throughout high school and really followed music um, all around the world. Lived in Vienna, Austria for a little while and played and traveled around just like living in hostels and stuff. But ultimately decided I wanted to make a push to like really have a band and have a music career. I wound up in Nashville and uh, Met who became my bandmate and ultimately first business partner, a guy named Jake Harsh. We were in audio engineering school together in Nashville, mm-hmm. and producing artists at night, writing our own stuff, playing out. Ultimately, how it you know how I even got into business was uh, at a certain point I saw that our band was getting to the point where we either had to like pursue uh, getting a record deal or you know signing with um, a record label or. You know, I saw the other option was to actually just run our own record label and handle the business side of our career. So I actually got into, I founded my first company at 21, which was a record label. (laughs) And it really only existed for us to be able to um, have our band and pursue our music career full time. But it was my introduction to business. Uh, I got an advisory board of friends of the family and others I had met through different, you know, circumstances and raised money for us, hired a manager, hired a booking agent, hired a producer to even work on our album, saw it all the way through to completion and ended up uh, releasing our album in 2005 and touring around the country uh, a couple different times. So it was through that whole experience that I got introduced to business even at all, mm. but still primarily focused on music. Um, but once I saw that, you know, business itself can be creative, I think is when I got the bug planted. Um, And, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole adult life in some shape or form.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So let's take the next step forward. Let's talk about at the point in where you released the album, uh, you know, as Harsh creaker, you and your buddy, yeah, it was touring all over the country. I'm quite sure he was probably enjoying a lifestyle of that, you know, maybe having all the groupies and everyone shouting your name. And- <laughs> Sometimes
1: it's a lot less glamorous than it sounds like. Um, <laughs> in fact, one of the things was, you know, even in the height of, you know, here I had worked my butt off and we had all worked our butts off and actually had, you know, a career as a band. And what that means sometimes is like driving all night in a van and eating at Denny's at six in the morning and then going to soundcheck. And it's actually a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It was great. I loved that experience. I loved traveling with those guys and making music. And I still couldn't see myself doing it when I was 40. Mm-hmm. So there was always this thing of like, well, if I'm not doing this, what would I do? Because it was quite literally the only thing that i consumed my mind since, you know, adolescence. So it, it it did invite the question of, well, what would I be doing if it wasn't music? And I think, you know, the answer to that has led me down these much more diverse paths of entrepreneurship that ultimately, you know, culminated in me 10 years later writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur and trying to figure out, you know, what is the rationale that I've looked at to be able to travel and do things that I'm interested in and passionate about, and have them be businesses, and to make that into a structure, make that into a um, a repeatable process and system that other people could employ as well. That was my goal in writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur. Yeah, and yeah. Let's I know that it skips over about seven or eight years of entrepreneurship, but it's important to sort of tie the uh, tie those together, I think, and then we can look at anything in the middle.
0: For sure, for sure. So. Um... Let's talk about that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you said you know you couldn't see yourself doing that, you know, until 40 years old. And maybe someone else said, "Well, hey, Jesse, Jesse must be crazy. I would love to have his lifestyle. I would love to be a rock star, travel all over the country." And really, a lot of people do not. A lot of people are just seeing it from one vantage point. You know, by you actually doing it, uh, obviously, it gave you some contrast and it, it kind of clarified uh, what you really wanted. Maybe that is for oh, someone. Sure. But I obviously-
1: mean, anybody that is thinking, "Oh, I want to be a rock star and travel the country." Well, get out there and start working at it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing I've done that uh, that that anybody else couldn't do, um, and there's nothing that you want to do that you can't accomplish. But the 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 real thing with entrepreneurship is finding out how much it actually takes to accomplish that, and it's usually a lot more than people bargain for if they do start pursuing a, a passion or. Yeah.
0: Indeed. So what prompted you to write the book A uh, Lifestyle Entrepreneur? To kinda as we talk about, you know, to kinda you know, jump to this point and then maybe we can, you know, do a little backtracking. What was the inspiration behind writing Lifestyle Entrepreneur?
1: Sure. So the same idea that sort of had me follow music and see how far I could take it and create a, a record label to support our band and all these other things gave me the firsthand experience that, wow, you can take an idea and turn it into uh, something that exists in the world. And that became so fascinating that, you know, I went on to advise uh, and consult with other companies and actually learned a lot about business and in different industries from consulting with companies and being more of like a, an advisor in some capacity <clears throat> until I got like sort of to a point where I was finally felt comfortable to, you know, start Uh, A company from scratch and be the sole person that's running it, and uh, and in so doing, started one of the companies I wrote about in my book called uh, USB Superstore. Mm -hmm. And you know, at that point, it was like 2008. I had just read The Four Hour Workweek. I was so fascinated. I was like, "Wow, this guy gets it!" Like I had been traveling and spending summers in Europe and Mm -hmm. doing a bunch of really fun stuff, and now I was like. Okay. There's other. There's a whole community of people that you know are pursuing this type of lifestyle and this approach to business, and so I built, uh, I structured the USB Superstore from the ground up to be a totally virtual organization. Um, and that's so interesting. But, if,
0: I, if I can hop in right there, Jesse, uh, yeah. because as you're talking about, uh, it, it's, it's almost like it's almost like I'm a step behind you. In many respects, because you know you know you've been traveling around the world, seeing Asia, and just kind of being a kind of nomadic or expat entrepreneur, and that's what I have been doing. And you kind of and, and then as you <laughs> authored a book that has been. Uh, uh, that has been really, uh, you know, has been an international bestseller. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, you, you've, you've, you've got a, rec- you have, you have, rec- you have been recognized, in, uh, you know, uh, a prolific Asian bookstore, uh, and then uh, also here in the U.S. And you really had the opportunity to connect with your fans there in Asia, and that's something definitely I want to do with my book. My book has been an international bestseller, but I really, I mean, I really haven't had the opportunity uh, to really uh, get my uh, physical book. In some of those bookstores and really connect with people, but now you're but now you're a publisher now, and then, now you're now you're publishing a lot of people's books, which is something I desire to be eventually as well. I like to be a publisher myself. So oh, nice! So it's, it's it's so interesting to follow your journey because, like I said, in many respects, it's like I'm a step behind you. It's like it's like the things that you have that, that that you have done in the past, I'm doing right now, and the things that you are doing right now, I want to do in the future. So uh, it's very inspiring, well, very, very exciting.
1: I appreciate that. It actually um it makes me think of an important teaching point, you know, in all of this stuff for people listening as well, is I think um, you know, of entrepreneurship as a spectrum, right? And on one end, on one end is you've never started a business. you know, you don't know anything about business. And on the other end of the spectrum is like a Richard Branson or somebody that mm-hmm. you know has started hundreds of companies, and pretty much everybody else is somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. So, You know, I am somewhere on that spectrum, far away from the starting line, but still nowhere near a Richard Branson type of a level. Mm -hmm. And it's appropriate for people that are a few years behind me on the trajectory that I'm going, are the best people to, you know, to work with and inspire and, and help, just as the people that are two or three years, four years ahead of where I am now are the people that I try and learn from and uh, and partner with in order to grow so that we all move sort of in lockstep or at different speeds up this spectrum of experience with entrepreneurship
0: start with a free audiobook go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the audible banner to get your free audiobook you may not have a lot of free time but you can definitely listen to a book on a plane on the bus or even while you're driving, go to reachingthefinishline.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to click on the Audible banner to get your free audiobook. Start reaching the finish line with your free audiobook.
1: And that is actually the way I see it. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because we've been playing with the same teams. I mean, you know, I after initially I was published, uh, I had a first publisher was in Asia. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately from that... Whole era, and you know, that's what really led me to start Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press, which, you know, is a is a modern publishing company where we look at a book as a fundamental part of a broader business and brand. And, and so,
0: and, go and, ahead. And we can definitely we can definitely uh, uh, get. More into that uh, in a little bit. I think it's very important. to I mean, especially yourself, uh, Jesse, having been to multiple countries all across the world, uh, that you know people really uh, see both sides of lifestyle entrepreneurship. Unfortunately, I think one side is all often sensationalized, and where you, you'll see these publications like you know the Daily Mail, the Guardian, Huffington Post, all these types of publications, and where you know p- you know people are, people have their people have their uh you know their straw and a coconut sipping on their laptop, and and you know people. <laughs> and, and- <laughs> And people I'll tell you
1: what, if I'm sitting on a beach with a coconut, the last thing I want is a computer on my lap. <laughs> if I'm going to be on a beach, I'm going to be swimming or snorkeling or jumping off of a cliff, not sitting there on my computer. So, it I mean, it's the, the dumbest mischaracterization of being a lifestyle entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm totally on board with you that that's the one that, you know, people see and it makes a good media angle.
0: For sure. It's really
1: not an accurate representation of... Uh, of what it's all about, but it gives you a little bit of a taste, I guess.
0: For sure, but a lot. Of, but often people don't see the other side of it, and where uh, the dark times, the struggles, the challenges. You know, like like typically publications, uh, these publications never uh, highlight these areas. It's always, it's always the the success, the success, and and oftentimes I think that does a, a disservice. To a lot of people who want to become lifestyle entrepreneurs, because it gives them a false sense that oh well, I mean now don't get me wrong, it gives them the confidence and the motivation to take the first step. But at the same time, I feel like it's uh, it's it's misleading because it does not uh, outline the well. Here's the thing.
1: Here's the thing. You know, if you have a two-page article in a publication, at best, you can introduce somebody to an idea that a type of lifestyle or a type of business is possible. But um, to go many, many layers deeper under the surface into the actual, you know, higher level conversations around what it takes to build a business and, and so forth and so on. Yeah, it's a, it's a complex topic and, uh, and it's very subjective, right? Because everybody's experience is unique, but there are some common threads, some common principles that, um, that really help people to you know I just always view this as a process of turning an idea or a vision that you have in your head into something that exists that corresponds in the world. And that process of creation is the process of entrepreneurship. And um, and I think that's something that may not get touched on as much as like this outcome based approach of, hey, you could be sitting on a beach sipping a a coconut right now. Great. Good for you, right? You know, you go to a beach. If I sat on a beach for three days, I'd be bored out of my mind. <laughs> Indeed. But I structure my whole life to be a balance of the interests I have, the things that I'm pursuing out of, you know, passion versus the things I do that provide service to others and that have value in the marketplace versus the experience and lessons I want to learn and pursue further, coupled with the teaching and training that I create and share with people as, you know, a resource for them. And that's a more accurate representation of you know the entirety of uh, of of entrepreneurship, at least as as I experience it now.
0: Absolutely. So, you went from having an international best selling book first in Asia, then to America, and you know, I, and I, obviously, I'm sure you was very happy with your success, like any author would be. So you know, the, so from your experience of working with an Asian publisher, and an American publisher, and you figured that you know, hey, I can definitely do the same thing with my own publishing company, you know, perhaps... Uh, what? Was well, the-
1: just in the in the spirit of <clears throat> saying, like, it doesn't, you know, some of these articles, some of these media angles don't show the other side of the coin. Yeah, it's true. I had did get published in, in Asia, and my publisher worked hard in and made uh, my book a bestseller in the country of Malaysia and Singapore. Mm-hmm. But that didn't exist in a vacuum, and it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a point in time when I was traveling back and forth to Asia every three months or so mm-hmm. and doing book tours around the country, going to book fairs, meeting people, you know, putting in the work to build a momentum around the book. So you know it's one thing to say that, yeah, your book was published in Asia became a bestseller and you must have enjoyed that success. Well, sure, I enjoyed it. I do enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. But it was also something that took like 18 months or so to realize. And yeah. that was a lot of ground game, a lot of shaking hands, signing books, speaking on stages, meeting people in the industry that did buying for retail and you know the people that basically make decisions on the, the purchasing and the publishing industry over there. <laughs> and that's the, uh, the step-by-step process to... You know, becoming a bestseller just means at some point in time, your book has more mindshare, is making more sales than anything else in its category. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can systematically build towards that through um, a coordinated approach of media and Mm. and traveling. And honestly, it works differently in the U.S. And and I think it's different now than in Asia, some countries where there's still a very big active book buying market, like, Mm. you know these book fairs that I'd go to there's like thousands and thousands of people and there's just it's more common like Amazon and technology and things at least in the U.S. has shifted the commercial market for information so much it's funny that in other parts of the world it's still a pretty uh pretty straightforward game it's like pre- my book pre- it was not even published digitally oh, <laughs> my wow. book was a paperback book in Asia it was never an electronic it wasn't a kindle or anything mm. it was a book on shelves in stores and like you know that's it's it's, it's pretty different it, that was my experience bringing it to the us and releasing it through morgan james it was like this is going to take a totally different approach mm. than uh, than what worked over there
0: Wow, that, that, that's that's actually very enlightening, uh, Jesse. I'm glad you shared that. And and uh, and what I was saying before, how you kind of must have been happy during your success, I was kind of setting you up. And I'm glad you kind of <laughs> I'm glad you kind of uh, kind of you know went forward and talk about the actual uh, mechanics of all of that because it, it's really important. You know, I think a lot of people still have this mindset that as long as I get the book deal, I just I gotta write the book, send it to the publisher, and kick back, relax on the couch. So all the money is going to start running down. <laughs> and, and, unfortunately, a lot there's uh, there's there's a there's a, uh, there's a lot of people who still have that mentality, and really is unfortunately just a lot of ignorance that is still circulating. Uh, that get, that gives people that belief. But um, yeah, that- well, I don't
1: know. I don't honestly. I'm always curious where people come up with that assumption or that belief that if I just dot dot dot, then this will happen. If I just get a book deal. I saw it all the time in the music industry. If I just got a record deal, everything's gonna work out. You know what the the it's funny because tying back together what I really feel now as a publisher working with ideas, working with books, working with other authors who are in in their own way artists, versus having a record label and working with people that made music is a similar creative approach that involves business and You know, it's really never as simple as, quote, just getting a deal.
0: Wonderful episode. You can get it, among other benefits, when you become a premium radio subscriber. Go to patreon.com forward slash Callen. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash K-A-L-L-E-N. When you go to patreon.com forward slash Callen, choose one of the premium subscription levels for it's just another tool to help you reach your finish line.
1: And, uh, you know, 99 out of 100 times, that ends up being a losing proposition for the person that uh, just wants to hand over control of their career or their creative work mm-hmm. and hope somebody else is going to administer it or market it better than they could or will. Mm-hmm. So if you just get that idea out of your head, then you become your own best advocate for your work and for its success, and you know how that's structured and administered becomes you know the way you you build your business
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh, th- and this this is the industry is changing, you know. Even even music, and you're looking at books, but uh, traditionally, it's still the same way. And where, whether it's a record label they give you an advance, whether it's a book publisher they give you an advance, and really, um, unfortunately, I I'm, I mean I, I know you know this, Jesse, but for the listeners, unfortunately, people they take that advance, and usually when people watch these music videos, they they buy a new car, they buy a penthouse, they buy these typical things, and really that advance is. It's for you to market yourself you know it's, it's for you to publicize yourself and it's the same thing of a book you know you know i mean obviously the advance for a book is probably not as big as the advance for a record a, rec- a record deal but it's the same it's the same purpose and, and a lot of people uh they, they <laughs> yeah well here's
1: here's a secret music and in books you don't make money off of selling your music you don't make the real money off of selling your book mm-hmm. And, uh, and any advance you get is it's just basically another way of saying you'll probably never see any other money for this creative work again, uh-huh. uh, unless, you, unless you overcome some very, very big um, hurdles in terms of marketing and sales. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's not in my mindset. We, as a publisher, I don't offer advances. In fact, people pay in for service fee that we do that makes their book look great and does the strategic planning and helps them actually launch and... Uh, and get it into thousands of people's hands. Mm -hmm. That's worth more than somebody stroking a check, which, honestly, doesn't really even happen. Anybody I know that's getting advances in publishing already has an audience of tens of thousands of people, and a business that's at mid-six figures or seven figures and above. And so the people that get advances, the people that get a six-figure advance for a book deal, um, you could say, in a sense, they don't need it, or that it's justified by the guaranteed number of sales that they can expect from their existing audience or business. Mm -hmm. And so that's a mindset shift of uh, was then and it it probably always will be because it's a dynamic changing um, every, you know, there's the industry, everything's always evolving and moving, Mm -hmm. especially in online business. It happens pretty fast.
0: Mm -hmm. Indeed. Indeed. So uh, definitely as an author, you learned a lot and uh, at that point you felt that you was ready to become a publisher again, you, you, you saw you saw a lot what worked from the Asian market. You saw uh, what worked in the U.S. market, and definitely uh, gave you the confidence to say, "Hey, I can do this. I can do this myself." Let's let, 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 let's revisit that first initial experience, Jesse. Uh, if you say, you know, "Hey, you know, I want to be a publisher," let's you know, let, let's let, let's rewind and let's uh, dive into what what was that experience like?
1: Okay, sure. Um- after the book, my book Lifestyle Entrepreneur came out in Asia, I promoted it for over a year and then I took that um, momentum and I went to an event that I knew Morgan James was going to be at, basically pitched them on signing me, rewrote the book, uh, they released it and I just expected things to happen as they had before. I expected A lot of marketing support coordinating book tours and talks and i realized it was like a splash of cold water in the face oh that's not how it works in the u.s with book marketing it's not how it works and it was a reminder um it was actually a wake-up call where it's like okay i could either really pursue this and figure out what good book marketing is what um how to you know have consistent success with this or just say it was a fun adventure i released my book in asia and move on to something else and I really did weigh the decision of like, do I want to try and pursue mastery within publishing and book marketing, or do I want to just chalk it up to say I'm glad I wrote my book and got to, you know, share it with people in one part of the world, and do something else? Um, and I chose to build a publishing company, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know I started with uh, somebody that I wrote about in my own book. His name's Jasper Rivers, and you know he is talking to me about a book idea he had. Uh, and ultimately became the first book that we published, mm. called "Get Paid for Your Pad," which is now the the number one book for Airbnb hosts, um, and it's a great podcast too. But uh, but I, I sort of before I made any announcement, like now I've run a publishing company. I was like, I'm just going to actually try publishing a few books with people that I know and see if I can figure this stuff out. Well, ultimately, what we did with "Get Paid for Your Pad" when we launched it. It became the number one travel book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Then it became the number one real estate investment book on Amazon, and we were moving or giving away or selling, you know, thousands of units. And I was like, "Wow, this is uh, this is one. This is fun. Two, I sort of figured out more how to marry online marketing with book sales. I mentioned in Asia, my book was only in paperback, so it was a different game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and after working with a few authors, sort of on a speculative basis, meaning. They didn't pay me but we just shared in the the proceeds from publishing mm-hmm. then i started to formulate the the package that i now offer which is a done for you publishing and bestseller launch mm-hmm. and you know over the over the last 18 months have built much more structure and formalized the uh, the process and have a much bigger team now mm-hmm. than i did then but it's the same approach of, of working with an author and looking at how does this book fit into your broader Um, business and the personal brand, the platform you want to build, and really partnering with them. Because, you know, as you've probably yourself realized, Callan, you know, having a book and doing book promotions, it's not like an overnight thing, or it's not like a product launch where it's one day it's here and the next it's gone. It's like every day you wake up, you're an author. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) indeed. So, you know, how do you take the long view? And the long view is what sells books over the long term. And I think publishing is a long time horizon business i've worked in many different industries and this is one where you know the relationships that develop are in, are measured in terms of months and years mm-hmm. not days and weeks mm-hmm. and uh and i think that's important if anybody else is saying oh i want to get into publishing i mean you better be in it for the long term or else you're you're not gonna be around long enough to realize the successes and benefits from building up a catalog and Anyways, we don't have to go into all that, but
0: indeed, well, know, well, publishing—it's a longer,
1: it's a longer-term business approach, is what I would say.
0: For sure, indeed, publishing is based on royalties. So, uh, you know, a person can't, you know, be a publisher and expect to, you know, be, become the one of the biggest publishers off of one book. Uh, if a person expects to, uh, you know, have a have a sustaining and have a profitable. Uh, uh, income uh, as a publisher, uh, you know, it, it takes a catalog of books, and you build upon that and build upon that because there's going to be some titles that's not evergreen, and it's gonna, it's not gonna be relevant anymore, and yeah. and that's what's gonna require for more titles to be ready for publication. So definitely, I mean, I, def- I absolutely agree with you, Jesse. Like, a, if a person's gonna be a publisher, they definitely have to be in it for the long haul. It's, it's, it's no, it's no yeah. kind of well. I'll
1: tell you, Callan, You know, as you said, you want to ultimately become a publisher, mm-hmm. and it might be instructive for everybody listening. I've noticed another analogy, and I think it's true of all creative-based media businesses, so whether that's TV, music, books, films, that there's a power distribution, which means you know one book will sell enough to cover like eight or nine others that just do okay, and some of them that don't do that well at all. And it's like you were saying there, and, and it's true, that I think the game in publishing, the game in music, is to have enough titles in the market and have just uh, know that over the, the larger amount of numbers of people that you work with, some of them will bubble up and become much more successful than others. Uh-huh. And to just recognize that for one, and to get right with it and be okay with it for two, and then to keep looking for how do you add that next big game changer uh-huh. to the catalog that's gonna, that's going to drive consistent ongoing sales. And if you do, then you can build up a truly passive income stream from having a, uh, a residual interest in a number of different creative works in the market that are consumed by different genres, different uh, audiences.
0: And Jesse, if people want to follow you or get in contact with you, how would they do that?
1: Um, you can go to jessiekrieger.com. If you're interested in our publishing work, you can go to lifestyleentrepreneurspress.com. And if you just do a search for Jesse Krieger, I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for having me on, Callen, and appreciated the, uh, the opportunity. Thanks, everybody that's listening. Hope you got something valuable from this.
0: Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callen Diggs, bestselling author and career strategist as seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. And for now, the email list you're missing out go to reaching the finish line.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.